I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Britain has witnessed a winter of strikes. From rail and postal workers to border force staff and nurses, up and down the country, people have been walking out and demanding more. Nobody's listening, so we're going to shout until we're heard. And now, that voice has reached the classrooms. It was a majority over 90%, 90.44% voted for strike, with a threshold-busting turnout of 53.27%. Last week, it was teachers in Scotland who went on strike over pay. This hasn't happened in almost 40 years. Scotland's teachers taking to the streets, striking over pay. And today, for the first time in more than six years, teachers in England and Wales are also taking to the picket lines. We go into teaching because we care about children and those people are leaving and going to do different jobs because don't feel cared for, they don't feel valued. More than 100,000 teachers in 23,000 schools across England and Wales are set to walk out today. But the strike has divided opinion. They'll be partially closed on Wednesday, so my little girl who's seven, she'll be off school. I have to take the day off work to be able to watch her, so I miss out on a day's pay. It is deeply disappointing for parents, for children, and it will have an impact, which is not really fair when you consider all of the disruption that they had during the pandemic. How will this affect a generation of students still catching up post-COVID? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, teachers on strike. My name is Sean Griffiths. I've been the education editor at the Sunday Times for about seven years, but on and off I've been covering education for, I guess, about two decades now, which makes me feel very old. Sean, Help us to understand the weeks and months of tensions that have been building up between the teaching unions and the government. You know, at the heart of this story, there are two characters. Talk us through them. Tell us a bit about them and how this drama has unfolded. 
Well, I think actually there are three characters. There's Mary Busted, who is the co-general secretary of the National Education Union, which is the biggest teaching union. When teachers vote to go on strike, they do that as a last resort and as a cry for help because there is nowhere else they can go. There's Kevin Courtney, who is the other co-general secretary of the National Education Union. We're in one fight in education. We want the market out. We want pay up. We want profits removed from our system. And then on the other side of this dispute, there's Gillian Keegan, who is the new Secretary of State for Education. I'm disappointed in the one union that has decided to go on strike. Our children don't deserve it, to be honest. We do need to keep teachers and children in school. You know, you don't need to strike to get my attention. And the dispute really is about pay, mostly about pay. So the government has offered teachers roughly a 5% pay deal. Teachers have rejected the 5% pay deal. All the unions, there are four main teaching and school leader unions, all the unions were unhappy about their pay deal, but it's only the National Education Union, the biggest teaching union, which actually held a strike ballot, got enough members to turn out to vote, and mm. then of the members who voted, the majority then voted to take industrial action. And this is the action that is going to be affecting millions of children, millions of pupils over the next few weeks and months, unless this dispute is settled. So those you know, decisions being taken by those three central characters, and I know there are votes and there are ballots and they've clearly got a lot of support, but those three central characters are pretty much determining what happens in schools for the next few months in terms of strike action. Just tell us a bit about them. For people who haven't followed the unions very closely, paint a picture of the two co-chairs of the NEU and also tell us a bit about the education secretary. So the National Education Union, I suppose the first thing to understand about it is it's a huge union. It has about 400,000 members and it was formed by the merger of two separate teaching unions. Now, one was the Association of Teachers and Lecturers, the ATL as it was known, and Mary Busted was the head of that union. Now, that was regarded as a moderate union, fairly small union. Kevin Courtney, the other co-general secretary, was the head of the National Union of Teachers. Now, those two unions the NUT and the ATL merged to form this National Education Union, this giant teaching union. And the two heads of the two separate unions, Mary Busted on the ATL side, Kevin Courtney on the NUT side, came together to be co-general secretaries of this new giant union that had been formed. And a lot of people thought, God, these people are so different. Mary really? and Kevin, they are very different. How are they going to lead this union together? How different are they? Mary led, you know, what was regarded as a moderate union. Kevin led the NUT, which has always been regarded as the most militant teaching union. Mm. Mary's background, she's one, a child from a large family, many siblings, and she has actually emerged as a pretty radical force in education politics, arguably as radical, if not more radical than Kevin Courtney. Really? Yeah. And they are Confounded both... Confounded expectations. Yes, in a way, yes. And they are both absolutely committed to getting, trying to get a better pay deal for teachers before they step down, which they will do later this year. And then the, there is at the moment an election ongoing fairly soon, which will appoint a single general secretary for this union. And on the other side, they're up against a relatively new education secretary. Julian Keegan is a new education secretary. She hasn't been in post very long. She 
comes in after a pretty revolving door, a pretty fast revolving door of education secretaries in recent years. She's interesting because she didn't go to university. She left school young and became an apprentice. She has done very well for herself. She has had a business career, which has been very successful. She's been very successful within the Conservative Party. She's very calm. She's softly spoken. Her big thing, what she wants to do in her post, is really push the skills agenda, is to kind of increase the number of children moving into apprentices as opposed to perhaps going to university at the age of 18. So, the results of the ballot. Teachers in England, an astonishing 121,253 members voted yes for strike action. Sean, you explained that all the unions were unhappy with the pay deal, but only one, this super union, the NEU, chose to strike. Why did the others not? So the National Association of Head Teachers also held a strike ballot. Had they got the numbers they needed to strike, that would have been quite historic because the Head Teachers Union does not historically go on strike. But they didn't reach the threshold. There is a threshold. You have to have 50% of your members turning out in a strike ballot. Uh, and then you have to have a majority of those who turn out voting to take action. And the other unions did not reach that threshold of 50%. So neither the NAHT nor the NASUWT, which is the second biggest teachers union, mm. not a school leaders union, but another teachers union, neither of those unions reached the threshold they needed. Will it mean that the teachers who are part of other unions, will they still be working when the strikes take place or, or will schools just shut? Do you know, I think it's a really, really chaotic situation. NEU members do not have to tell their school whether or not they're going to strike. The union is saying to schools, look, we are carrying out a strike. If you have NEU members, you know how many NEU members you've got in your school, assume they're all striking. But actually, that's not the case. So many NEU members will not be striking. They will not leave their classrooms and they ah. will be coming into schools on Wednesday, but they are not telling their head teachers, many of them, what they are planned to do. And that has left head teachers in a really difficult position. So I've talked to head teachers who've got like half their staff NEU members. Now, if half your staff are not going to turn up on, on a particular day, you cannot probably open your school. A head teacher has to do a risk assessment, has to think about the health and safety of pupils and staff at that school. If they don't have enough teachers to teach, sensible sized classes. They can't open the school. But if you don't know until the morning how many teachers you're going to have, that makes planning almost impossible. And so head teachers have been saying to me in a sort of rather breezy but rather nervous way, we've got really good crisis planning because of COVID. This is just more of the same. <laughs> but some of them are obviously quite worried. And for those in unions who aren't officially going on strike, I mean, we've heard stories. Is this true that some are even swapping unions? Yes, some are swapping unions. So the, the National Education Union has now said that it has had 30,000 extra members join it since it denounced it, the outcome of its strike ballot. I am told by head teachers that some teachers who were in other unions have now joined the NEU. So I'm guessing that some of the teachers in unions like the NASUWT, where a lot of teachers voted to take action, but they didn't get over the threshold. Maybe they are now feeling, OK, I'm just going to swap unions and join this union because they've got the mandate that I actually voted for. I know you've been speaking to members of the union. You know, what sort of things have you been hearing? What made them vote to go out on strike? 
As part of their whole campaign to try and win over parents' hearts and minds, they are leafleting parents saying, look, this is a, an SOS campaign. This is a Save Our Schools campaign. Yes, it's about a better pay deal for teachers, but it's also about, you know, the fact that school funding has been cut in real terms since 2010. It's about the fact that parents are constantly being asked for donations for everything from textbooks to glue sticks. It's about the fact that teacher recruitment and retention is its in a very bad way. I mean, there are figures that they are quoting at the moment saying that 13% of teachers leave after one year and a third of teachers leave after five years. So I think they are very committed at the moment to winning this dispute. Why now? I mean, now, because I think there is a general feeling across the country of unhappiness about pay deals. I think the fact that inflation is running in double digits means that the pay deals that have been offered are affecting people's standard of living. So I'm hearing a lot of talk, particularly among teaching assistants of a cost of living crisis. So teaching assistants earn around £17,000 starting. And they are saying that they're having to use food banks. Some of them are taking jobs in supermarkets because they pay better than schools. I think for me, it's just so upsetting to see the sort of stats on teachers leaving after one year. Sean's been speaking to some of the teachers on strike today, like Billy Forshaw, who you just heard, and Courtney Archer-Clowers. My mum was a teacher. She's said to me many times that the profession is completely different to what yeah. it was. So I'm hearing that. I'm hearing, well, look, we're going out on strike because we've been offered 5%. Inflation's 10.7%. That's a cut in our standard of living. We, we can't afford that. So that's one, one aspect of it. And it's interesting when you talk to head teachers, the teachers that seem to be among the most militant in the schools are actually quite young. They're in their late 20s. They're in their early 30s. Mm. They're in places like London where they absolutely cannot afford to buy a house anywhere near the school they teach in. They're quite often starting families. And they see their contemporaries, especially teachers who went to very good universities, uh, including Oxford and Cambridge and some of the Russell Group. They are seeing their contemporaries earning three times more than they are earning. And they are very unhappy about it. I'm not sure that the government realises that the demographic pushing the strike action is actually the demographic they have been trying to get into schools. They've been trying to get these young, brilliant graduates into schools to push to up standards. Teachers. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much anybody that I speak to here who's on a responsibility is says... They love being in the classroom. They love teaching. They love the interaction with the children. Mm. We put in a lot Sorry. of time yeah. outside of school as well that I think yeah. is maybe not as recognised in society of, mm. you know, you're a teacher, you do an eight or three job and it's like, no, we don't. <laughs> but also I just think there's been a head of resentment, I suppose, really, and anger building in schools for, I would say, several years now. I think sometimes when I talk to teachers, like the two, two quite young teachers I talked to said, we just want to be respected. We do a really difficult job. We do it as well as we can. We love the children. We work really long hours. We could do other things. We're very well qualified. We want some respect. And Sean, it sounds like there's, you know, there's been a real political row about this for years. You know, there's been tensions between the government and the education system. At the core of those tensions, though, is there also a sense that the investment in education, the education system itself, is being depleted. 
I mean, the Institute for Fiscal Studies has done quite a lot of work on this. It's an independent think tank and its research shows that in real terms, education spending has fallen since 2010. The government would say, look, we've put billions in. We've just given another multi-million pound settlement to schools. And certainly when I go to schools, I'm always surprised at how much head teachers talk about how are they going to balance their budgets? Mm. They're constantly worrying about being in deficit and how they can make cuts to balance their books, which isn't something that I remember from when I started in education journalism. So funding is a real issue, definitely. Sean, take us back to the politics here, because... You know, before the strikes were announced, there had been these lengthy negotiations with the government. We've heard about the union's demands. They wanted a pay rise above inflation. What was the government's response? What has their stance been on this? I think their stance has been the same as it's been with other public sector unions, is that we can't afford it. We are trying to bring inflation down if we give one sector like teachers a pay rise, then we have to give it across the public sector. And if we do that, inflation will go up. If we pay inflationary rises and then bake in inflation, then it's not going to help anybody. It is deeply disappointing for parents, for children, and it will have an impact which is not really fair when you consider all of the disruption that they had during the pandemic. Take us through the negotiations that did take place between the government and the unions. From the conversations you've been having with sources, do you have a sense of what was happening in the room? What was happening during those negotiations? Well, I think there's been two rounds of talks, at least two rounds of talks between Gillian Keegan and the unions over pay in recent weeks. And cynics in the union would say, look, she's calling us in. She's making a big deal that she's talking to us. But that's only because the government's been criticised in the past for not talking to the union. So sure, they're talking to us, but they're not talking about pay this year. If they're talking about pay at all, they're talking about pay in future years. And we want to talk about pay this year, right now, this pay settlement. Did you talk about money with the union? We talked about it in general, but we didn't talk, we didn't go through line by line of the submission because they were doing, they were starting to do that with the officials. So until they put that on the table, these talks are not really going anywhere. I think that's what some of the hardliners in the unions would say. And even the more moderate unions who are also in the talks. So there's a a union called the Association of School and College Lecturers, which traditionally has been the most moderate union. It's a school leaders union. Even that is now uh, considering balloting for strike action. And after the talks, that union puts out press releases saying that talks didn't get anywhere. It's good that we're talking, but they didn't get anywhere. I mean, I think both sides are trying to treat the talks as something that hopefully can be engaged in constructively. Head teachers are saying to me that they do expect a settlement. They expect it to be announced later this year, and they expect it to be that they're going to have to pay for it out of the, the extra money they have been given, which they have been happily planning to spend on other things. But I think they think that they do want to do a pay deal before the next election. I think that's what head teachers think the government will do. They won't want to go into next year's election without having been seen to be accommodating. And Sean, where are Labour on all this? Labour being very quiet about the strikes, the teachers' strikes. Bridget Phillipson has not, as far as I know, come out with any any pronouncement uh, on whether she supports the teachers or she doesn't support the teachers. 
Should teachers go on strike? As the Shadow Education Secretary, what is your view on whether they should be walking out or not? I don't want them to be out on strike. Question, and if I, were education if I were Education Secretary, I think Labour are watching and out. waiting. Why won't you answer that question, though? Do you think they should go on strike or not? Because I want to be the next Education Secretary, and I'd be a party to that discussion, sat around the table trying to get a settlement. It's not for me to insert myself into it in that I'm way. I would for want your to view. be... I mean, the idea of picket lines outside schools that children have to cross is really, it's not nice. Children who've never seen picket lines before, or even the idea that, because we are hearing that so many EU members are not going to go on strike, how divisive is, is this going to end up being in staff rooms? Will it be divisive? Will teachers who think that you shouldn't go on strike, especially for children who've had such a difficult time, will they then be pitted against teachers who are passionate about trying to get a better pay deal? and who are on strike. And I think maybe Labour is waiting and watching to see how this plays out. Coming up, after more than two years of COVID disruption, what do these strikes mean for pupils? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Oliver Wright, policy editor at The Times. My job is to try and explain what's going on in Westminster what the government's doing, what the government's not doing, and why it matters to all of us. But we can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sean. A lot of this has been political wrangling in the last few months. You know, the negotiations, the standoff on both sides. What are you hearing from the pupils you've been speaking to? So the government has asked schools, first of all, to try and stay open on strike days. 
Secondly, to if they can't stay fully open because they don't have the staff, to prioritise exam years, so that GCSE and A-level years, to prioritise vulnerable children and to prioritise the children of key workers. So very similar to what we saw in the pandemic. And I think schools are trying to do that. Many schools will just be closed. They will just completely close. But the schools that are trying to stay open are bringing in as much as they can. They're bringing in their year 11 and their year 13 pupils. They're doing things like holding huge revision sessions in the school hall, for instance, with one teacher putting exam questions up on a whiteboard and in front of about 40 or 50 pupils where they've combined classes and yeah. getting the pupils to work through revision questions. So they're trying to keep teaching high quality in many schools. But, you know, other schools have just kind of, where they are staying open, they're doing things like showing children films in the library, which is really babysitting rather than teaching. Yeah. So I think there is a worry. At the moment, the, nobody is talking about these exams being cancelled and children relying on mock grades or anything. But head teachers are saying, we don't think this is going to happen, but it's very much in the air. I spoke to one teenager who actually has part of a GCSE exam uh, yeah. and he's incredibly worried. He's like, I know that they say the exams are going to go ahead, but we know because of COVID that our exams have been cancelled in the past. And so there is a precedent. And I'm just thinking, I did my mock exams in November and my grades are not very good. And I don't want those to be the basis for my GCSE results. So, you know, teenagers are again getting really anxious, which is not somewhere we want teenagers to be because they've had such a terrible two or three years. And Sean, you know, you mentioned this, but this is effectively the COVID generation. These are, are pupils who've already lost a lot of time at school. Do we have a sense of how much that's already affected them? Yes, I think so. I mean, I've been talking to teenagers this week, the GCSE pupils and A-level pupils, and two things they talked about a lot. One was attendance. So even the teenagers I talked to who, who said, look, we're in school normally, we're 9 to 3.30, we've got our heads together. It was hard going back after the second lockdown lifted, but we've made it, we're okay. But many of them will say they've got friends who still are not turning up to school regularly or even really? have dropped out of school altogether. And attendance is certainly way below where it was I mean, it was sort of 95% was regarded as the kind of attendance schools should aim at. I'm talking to schools that have got 89% attendance, 88% attendance, 91% attendance. And the averages are not back where they used to be. And that is a lot of children just have dropped out of the education system or are only doing part-time schooling. And then the second issue is just how much they've lost, just how much learning they've lost. Yeah. So I talked to a teenager again yesterday who said, when we came back to school, I did all the online learning I was set, but it wasn't very much. And I did it in two hours a day. And when we came back and like in science practicals, our teacher was saying, but I showed you how to do this in your online lesson in the pandemic. And all the kids were like, we don't know how to do it. We didn't have acids at home. We don't understand it. Yeah. And so there's just huge chunks of learning that they just haven't mastered. And the government has made allowances, you know, in, in exams last year to take out big parts of the curriculum that children haven't covered. But this year, the exams are going to be much more rigorous. They're trying to move grading back to where it was in 2019 before the pandemic. Those kinds of allowances to that kind of degree will not be made this summer. Sean, we can sort of see the picture as far as the teachers are concerned, because we're seeing the votes as they come in. We're seeing the ballots. We can see that there's a lot of support for the strikes. What about the public? Because these will have a knock-on effect on schools, on how people look after their children. 
we've seen a spate of strikes in a number of industries recently. And there's always that question of at what point does the public get sick of them? Do we know how the public views this particular strike? So there was a YouGov poll and it asked, do you support or oppose teachers going on strike over pay and working conditions? And across all Britons, 51% supported the teachers going on strike and 41% opposed it. And when you break that down into a kind of political split, Mm. 79% of Labour supporters supported the strike and only 24% of Conservative voters. So at the moment, there is a majority, it seems, in in, in the country who are backing the teachers' strikes. Whether that continues as these strikes roll on remains to be seen. So we talked about the the polling. It's quite finely balanced, but there is support at the moment for the strikes to take place. We don't know how many of those people who are polled were parents, but do you have a sense of where parents stand? I mean, are you having conversations with them? Yeah, there are parent groups on both sides of the divide, to be honest. There's a group called Us For Them who are really, I think, not very happy about the strikes. And there have been some parents who've said to me, it's teachers' duty to look after our children especially, and to teach our children especially after a global pandemic. But then you've got parents on the other side of the divide who are actually supporting the teachers. And there's a group called More Than A Score, and they are very worried about school funding. And they are saying if this teacher strike gets a better settlement for schools all around, more school funding, then, you know, we support it. We're fed up of raising money for our children's schools. We think teachers should be paid properly. There's one parent whose child is doing maths A-level whose teacher doesn't have a degree in maths. And this parent was like, and this is not uncommon in state schools. There is a real shortage of specialist maths teachers and some science teachers who don't have degrees in the subjects they're trying to teach A-levels in. And she was like, you know, this hopeless, you know. So I support the teachers just because they're emphasising, they're highlighting the recruitment and retention problems. If there are more strikes to follow, you know, what can we expect from the next few months? Do we have a sense of how frequent these might become? Yes. So the union has said that it's going to hold seven strike days between now, the first strike day, and mid-March. No school, I think, will be affected by more than four of those strike days. But the union actually has a mandate for six months of action. So if there is no pay deal by mid-March, they do not have to ballot again to continue to call more strikes. And at the heart of all of this, it is the pupils that you have to worry about. You've covered, you know, a lot of the trauma that they've been through over the last few years in particular. What are your thoughts now about this COVID generation? I think it's too early to say. I mean, they have been hugely impacted, but how the it, how that is going to play out, I don't know. I mean, at the moment, when kids don't turn up to school, and many of them are not turning up to school after the pandemic, parents get fined, you get a penalty fine of £60, you could be prosecuted. Um, and parents are pushing back. Parents are working from home, a lot of them now. They've got a hybrid arrangement, two days a week in work, many of them three days a week at home. And there are children, there are teenagers, and there are families now saying, this works for us, this worked for us in the pandemic. And maybe schools need to think, how can that work in the future, particularly for older children who like learning online. They may be shy, they may be being bullied. That generation is growing up online. They like online lessons. They like 
the flexibility not to be in school every day. I wonder, there are more and more online schools setting up and there are more and more parents asking schools for part-time arrangements. I wonder whether that is going to be the next big development that the next government is going to have to grapple with. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Sunday Times education editor, Sean Griffiths. You can find all of Sean's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Priyanka Delade. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.